Hey, welcome back to Finding Our Way, our Southridge Church podcast, where we have conversations about leadership, we get behind the scenes of church life, and we dig into what it looks like to follow Jesus as we find our way together. Please join me in welcoming our host and lead pastor, Jeff Lockyer. Go. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way. Uh, Going to have a fun conversation with one of our emerging leaders around here, a member of our family ministry named Jen Surtees. Jen, I know you've been part of this conversation before, but welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, excited to kind of debrief uh, a teaching series that we've just come out of, but you know, even bigger than that, kind of where your world and uh, uh, ministry life and family ministry is headed. But first things first, uh, how's it going with you these days? It's been pretty good. I um have been pretty busy recently with uh, its dance competition season. So I teach dance on the side of doing many other things and just coming out of that season, which uh, fills up a few weekends in a row, which is fun and exciting, but also tiring and long. Um, But this season went really well for our kids and I'm just kind of leaving the season with um, really a lot of excitement of where it had been um, and excited of where it's going. So that's a good way to leave off a good competitive season, at least in my mind. Yeah, you're kind of the queen of the side gig around here. so A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> walk, us, walk us through, what, what does your life actually look like? Because it's got a, a, a few different plates that you spin all at once. Yeah, uh, so I'm at uh, Southridge, uh, 28 hours a week, and then I, or sorry, 24 hours a week, and then... Um, I do some supply teaching a day and a half to two to three days a week. And then I also teach dance anywhere from two to four nights a week as well. So it's pretty busy. It's pretty go, 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 which is, if you know me at all, that's exactly my personality. If I were sitting around doing nothing, you should probably be worried about me. Yeah, I've had a few conversations with you just just about that that dynamic, and it seems like you you like and embrace that. And I know I've heard, uh, you know, that the buddy of mine Daniel M wrote a book called "The Gig Economy," where, it, especially in the emerging generation, there's a lot more of that mindset of, of yeah. kind of variety is the spice of life. Talk about how that energizes you rather than kind of burdens you. Yeah. Well, first off, I think it's helpful that I'm an extrovert. If I wasn't an extrovert, I think that it would probably kill me. But um, I love being around people. Yesterday was our auditions for dance. And it was the mini company, which is like, what, ages five to eight. There was usually only four kids in the class. And they were like, oh, there's probably going to be like 10, maybe 12. And I was like, oh, gosh, this is going to be a lot. And then actually I left it. And I thought that I was going to be exhausted and want to go right to bed. But I was actually so like energized by just like some new kids in the room and new um, fun and exciting ways to like just engage with people and stuff. So I think that that's probably the biggest thing is that it actually gives me so much energy to be, you know, here on Mondays and Tuesdays, then at some random school on Wednesdays and then at one school that I go to always on Thursdays or whatever it is. So I think that's a big thing for me. Very cool. And uh, we haven't tapped into this yet, but the, the, the 24 hours ish that you're, you're lingering around Southridge these days uh, is actually having a bit more of a St. Catherine's focus these days. And, and mm-hmm. you're kind of moving into a, a, a bit more of a quarterbacking role there. Do you want to talk about that at all? Yeah. So um, with Carrie moving into um, location pastoring in Vineland, Carly has moved over to 
Vineland to kind of um, backfill her Sunday morning um, kids ministry role. So that leaves me high and dry by myself over here in St. Catharines where me and Carly for the last, what, eight months have been kind of doing this together. So that's kind of cool that I'm uh, now kind of leading up this location on a Sunday morning, taking the responsibility of of our Sunday mornings for uh, our kids' services. Very fun. And so if you're a family ministry person or especially a kids' ministry person in St. Catharines and uh, hearing this, you'll not that you haven't gotten to know Jen already, but you'll mm-hmm. begin to know her more in the, in the weeks to come. Yeah. Uh, segues us nicely into the conversation I want to have today. As a representative of our family ministry, we've just finished, for leaders listening, we just finished a, a three-week teaching series that was driven by our family ministry. It was called Homegrown Faith. So I guess First things first, let's just sort of review some things. Remind us, Jen, of kind of the big idea of of the series and what the point of it really was. Mm -hmm. So the whole kind of idea behind it was to have a family ministry series, uh, just connecting um, our uh, the way that we are trying to envision our parents and our caregivers and. Um, our community into recognizing and understanding and um, living into the fact and the reality that they are the spiritual uh, nurturers, the primary spiritual nurturers of their kids. Um, So we took three weeks to kind of do that and kind of finished off, I think, in the end, kind of um, talking with my team yesterday about like what actually ended up happening through that series was we ended up envisioning our church and our community into what a homegrown faith approach would actually look like in our community. And that's kind of where we feel like we've landed in trying to teach people that they, that that is their responsibility, but also envisioning what our community might look like coming out of that. When you talk about envisioning, so we're going to envision people to a homegrown faith. We're going to envision parents and caregivers to a homegrown faith. What is that vision in contrast to? Like mm. why, why doesn't everybody <clears throat> sort of assume that, pursue that, think that way? Yeah, I think that that's a, a good question because um, kind of what we have been talking about too is like this isn't something that we're already doing. Like this is something we're actually growing towards and um, hoping to get people to be part of. But we're kind of looking to contrast like this church-centric model, we've kind of like named it the church-centric approach or program-based approach. And um, it kind of, what that would be is seeing Sunday mornings in like youth events and those like mountaintop experiences of retreats or whatever it might be as the main focus of where um, kids are learning about faith and growing in their faith, seeing that as the center. Whereas we're trying to see um, through the homegrown faith approach, see the center as the homes, as the relationships that we as church leaders and our community can have with each other that is based fully out of um, the relationship that the parents already have with their kids and the way that they're nurturing their kids' spiritual lives. Yeah, and for people from Southridge who are, who are listening, appreciate that this is really just the family ministry extension of how we've understood faith formation and following Jesus to look in, in all of our lives. You know, we made a, a shift years ago 
as a church from being primarily program dependent to the language we instituted was fostering a lifestyle of full devotion. We actually want to cultivate something that happens in an ongoing, everyday, day-by-day dynamic with Jesus and for Jesus and you know, because of his, his life within us that we've uh, kind of organized in, in three different dimensions that are supplemented and stimulated by some, some programs that programs in, in our overall church that programs uh, kind of stimulate lifestyle. Yeah. Reinforce. Like family ministry. Yeah. For, in family ministry, we've been trying to catch up with that and found ourselves probably a bit more program dependent and, and even as parents and caregivers, a bit more, a bit more program focused than appreciating, whoa, even with the next generation, or maybe especially with the next generation, this is a lifestyle level dynamic that happens in the moment by moments of our, of our home. And so it's, this is, this is not just about parenting. This is just as a whole community, how we understand Jesus wanting to, to work in our lives. So Remind us then, just to, to wrap this piece up, remind us of the three major moves of the series that were intended to kind of shape this paradigm. Yeah, so um, Jeff, you started out kind of with uh, the, the idea that we can't outsource our faith development. Like um, for me, I'm a dancer. The kids who come uh, to my studio, they're paying me to teach them how to dance. If they can do a double pirouette by the end of the year, I've succeeded in some sort of way, um, whereas faith is not, you can't outsource any expertise to teach your kids about faith. It's actually on you and that um, you are the, 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 the home is the, the primary spot where that happens. Uh, the second one was Carrie. She talked about um, that it's actually your relationship with Jesus. So like a parent's relationship with Jesus that influences the faith formation of of the kids. We, she kind of used the tagline of faith is more caught than taught, which I kind of, I kind of like that, uh, that idea. And I think that that kind of flowed into our last, uh, uh, sermon this past week where each of us, um, myself, Carly and Jade were able to speak live about, um, saying that you're not alone. So yes, you can't outsource this, Yes, you, it's on you, but the church is here for you and your community is here for you. And it's actually relationships uh, with us that, um, that go the, the extra mile and that we're here to support you with whatever you need. And relationship, relationship, relationship was kind of the big part of that. Yeah, yeah. So, so with those three moves, you know, I know the whole goal, even in the lead up to the series, talking internally with you guys was, was about you know, trying to envision people to this, to this new paradigm, trying to change this paradigm. What, what would you say that you guys, kind of in reflection, have learned about trying to change a paradigm? Because you know, both for us as, as Southridge, but also for leaders listening, we try to do that often. We're, we're trying to change mindsets and change viewpoints and how you understand things. So what would you say we've learned through this experience about just how to change a paradigm, never mind this specific paradigm? Um, I think that it's, it's all, it's all about looking at the way that, that Carrie kind of drew us a picture yesterday about, um, looking at the way that we, um, like 
the reality that we're living in now and the vision that we have and that that we have to actually see that this reality that we're living in is actually not giving us what we want or what we desire or meeting our needs in the way that we think it should. And it's actually a staircase up to the vision. And I think that that's actually a really good way of looking at this way of shifting this paradigm from like what we would say as a consumeristic view of family ministry, kids ministry, kids faith formation, seeing the programs and youth and Sunday mornings and these types of events being something that can be consumed in order to meet a need or in order to uh, give you faith or allow you to become more like Jesus, which in some ways is true. But in um, recognizing that reality is that knowing leads us to know that um, that our our families and our parents are actually uh, what is the driver of that and not those programs. Yeah, paradigms are, are, are hard to change because you're trying to move people, I know the language Carrie was using with you yesterday, was from here to there. But the yeah. here is what they know and the there is imaginary. Yeah. Right? The here is what they know Scary. and the there is imaginary. And you're, you're trying to get people to, to embrace the imaginary potential future more than what they practically currently know. And yeah. that's a that's a hard leap to make. And so, uh, you know, if you're a leader listening, especially, and you're trying to imagine people to, a, you know, an undelivered yet future, uh, know that you're not alone and know that it, in a context like ours, you know, we're, with the language we use internally is, we're baking these cakes and we're determining the ingredients to bake these cakes uh, along with our people before we're serving them rather than internally trying to bake a cake, determine the ingredients and get it all perfect before we can, before we can kind of publicly serve, uh, serve it to people. And so this is the, the, this is the challenge of paradigm changing leadership, what we're calling aspirational vision, envisioning people to a preferred future that we, that we don't yet necessarily fully implement. So in family ministry specifically then, Jen, as we're trying to do that through this series and in this season, we're trying to envision people to this new paradigm that ultimately we don't deliver yet. When you look at family ministry today, what, what would you say is preventing us the most from engaging in this homegrown faith paradigm? Or what has up until this point prevented us the most yeah. from, from being that kind of ministry? I think that we've kind of reflected on this in the past few days, weeks, um, and even months to say that we are, we have been at a time where we have really been like, we use the language around here that like replanting a church, we were coming out of COVID, which rocked us to basically our core. And, um, we would say, like in our weekly meetings, we say, are we still in crisis mode? And I think that that's been super true that we have been in crisis mode to just get the bare minimum done to you also say like Sundays come every, every seven days. So we got to have the curriculum ready for our volunteers, for our people on Sunday mornings. And those types of things have been all consuming. We started a new curriculum, which we hoped and are envisioning and still growing to see work in a way more fluid, easy to, con easy to, to use and 
facilitate way that that took up time that that change took up time getting our volunteer teams back together getting you know culture changing like I'm having meetings with Jeff Martins as I'm stepping into this new role of like how we can create culture changes in family ministry and St. Catharines in general all these different things have been kind of crisis modey coming out of COVID replanting our church kind of things that have pushed us to see these things be on the back burner and we're realizing that these should actually be the things that if we're in crisis mode, this should actually be the center rather than the other things that I had just listed. Yeah. It's, it's really, you're talking about, you know, very astute leadership lessons that it's one thing to envision a faith formation paradigm that is lifestyle based whether it's in our personal relationship with Jesus or in our influence of the next generation, you know, something that is lifestyle based and 24 seven and not program dependent while still operationally delivering programs, even in a supplementary way. So long as you have programs, so long as you're delivering them, so long as they're volunteer intensive, so long as they come every seven days, so long as there's, recruitment and team building and training and administration and communication and emails and social media posts and all of the logistics related to that, it can become all consuming. Never mind when you add the layer of just coming out of a pandemic and trying to recover and, you know, people have left and churches have been polarized and you don't even know who your people are anymore. And it, 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 it's, it's way easier said than done, isn't it? And uh, I I think for especially leaders listening to appreciate that it's one thing to change a paradigm and it's one thing to cast an aspirational vision when you have, even in a reframed supplementary way, when you have the logistics of programs staring you in the face, it is hard not to make those, those urgencies primary. Yeah, I would say that's. So I would true. say uh, at a at a so there's the logistical side. There's also the 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 just the people envisioning side. What would you say that you're learning about shepherding your kind of leaders, your people, into that future that we've yet to experience and deliver as well? Because that's another thing, right? If you've got a whole volunteer team and they're still living in the the program dependence of the program that they're serving in. You know, what is what have you been learning about trying to shepherd or trying to envision them into that future as well? Yeah. So we actually, our team met with um, a guy named Lawson Murray from uh, Scripture Union a few months back, and he's kind of doing a lot of research on this kind of partnering with parents kind of idea and the homegrown faith kind of, he's not using that type of language, but very that type of kind of thought process. And um, he actually said something that Carrie has been like driving home with us that like, you need to hear something seven times before it actually sinks in. And you kind of actually begin to realize the immensity of what it actually means, especially when we're trying to change paradigms and shift these cultural and um, things that we've been doing for so long. So I think the first thing that I'm learning is like, let's actually tell people seven times. Like we've done it three, we did three weeks. How many people heard all three? I don't know. But so let's say people have heard it one and a half times, maybe. 
how many how can we say it again and again through things that we're doing like social media how can we say these things in passing conversations even i have started personally and our team has started changing the language that we use whenever we um try are writing something about a sunday morning we we are saying a sunday more our kids services not our kids programs they are a program but they're actually a service where we're like our big um sunday morning service with our um inspiration team they wouldn't call that a sunday morning program they would call that a service they're calling it an inspiration opportunity and all these things so just changing language and trying to just get people to hear it seven times to then also get to, to begin asking their own questions about what it means and where we're going that's a great that's a great point and i know certainly for leaders listening even if you're outside of family ministry and you're wondering okay how do i how do I move people through this aspirational vision, you know, from what they currently know to what we don't yet know or do completely? Uh, the language matters. And I, I love your inventory of how many times have our people really heard this? How many times has this you know, volunteer member of our team actually heard this? And what are the modes by which we can get them to hear this? That's a great question. Um, even more practically, I guess, you know, as we're, as we're understanding this better internally and envisioning people to a future that we've yet to really experience or, or, or deliver in the operation of our ministry, in your case of our family ministry, what, what do you feel we most need to shift in how our family ministry approaches how we do ministry in order to deliver more of this future reality? Um, I think that the, the biggest thing that we are talking about, what we want to do is just uncomplicate everything. Just literally stop, stop thinking about what we could do or where we should go. And yes, we need to do that. And we've, we're beginning, we're at the beginning stages of doing that. And, um, hopefully kind of getting towards having that vision fully formed in our, in our experience, but actually just uncomplicating everything and just being in relationship with people. Carrie has a story that uh, this past week we've been doing our parenting series, our short-term group, and she got to connect with a, a, a couple and they actually just said, she said, what's the biggest challenge that you've been facing in parenting your, your son? And they gave one practical thing that they have been struggling with. And she said, Oh, I, I can, I can speak into that. Like I can give you my, my, um, my understanding and I can, give you this book that I actually just finished reading. Let me go and get this book for you and give you this book and send you this, this that you could look at. And she was like, that was actually so uncomplicated. We had an opportunity where we could connect and we did. And I asked them what a big challenge was in their life. And I was able to help meet the need. And I think that that's kind of what we're focusing on the word uncomplicating mm -hmm. things. Yeah. You were, you were part of, uh, on Sunday in this third week, you know, kind of diagramming the shift that we're trying to make in terms of these concentric circles and in a program based or a program dependent approach, the greasing the wheel of the programs is our primary energy, right? And we create resources and supplementary materials to support the programs and the relationships are kind of tertiary. They're on the outside. Whereas, you know, in this, 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 home-based faith model, this you know, ongoing 24-7 approach, relationships are really 
what's core and primary of which we support and resource and whatever. And then the programs are supplementary. They're on the outside circle. And it's one thing to sort of draw that. It's another thing to just do that. And I, I love the language you're using of just the purity and simplicity of having relationship, focusing on the relationship, fostering the relationship and, and making that primary rather than all the administrative logistics of the, of the program. That's probably, that's probably first and foremost, what's, what's key. I would say, in addition to that, when we're talking about how you guys schedule your time, you know, the training you offer, the, the, the ministry deliverables, are there any other things that you're imagining kind of as low-hanging fruit to do differently in a way that inverts the circles in how you guys do ministry? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me of practical things that I think I'm personally going to do stepping into this um, pastoral role uh, for for kids and families um, in St. Catharines is just have more coffees, have more sit down experiences where I'm meeting with people um, saying like, can I actually schedule one, two, maybe even three of these opportunities to sit down with people and just connect? Um, Carrie met with those people the other night and it was so informal. It was just a standing conversation that was about 15, 18 minutes. Is there actually 15 or 18 minutes that I can spend every Sunday before church and after church? So I'm already getting two coffees, quotation marks being used there, like two conversations happening just there alone. And then any sort of other standing, like, do I actually book every Tuesday from 3 to 4 p.m.? I'm going to schedule somebody like that is actually in my calendar. Is that something that I want to do? That's going to obviously take time to see if that's something that could work. Um, But just scheduling and um, allowing for more organic and um, uh, opportunities to connect with people. Related to that, we talk about winning and we we use the sort of the sports language of, of winning. And one of the things thinking about this as you share the the story about Carrie's interaction after the parenting group. Um, One of the things that changes when you're changing a paradigm is the win that you aspire to or the win that you celebrate. So contrast for us, you know, what a win would be that you would look to and celebrate in a program-centric model versus the kind of win that you're shooting for in a homegrown faith faith model yeah so in like the the program centric model you would see things like getting more volunteers or you know this uh, the opportunity for you know uh like a program based win like i don't know something that you know, you had a great Sunday morning, the craft went amazing, which it did this Sunday, the junior kids, they had these fire um, headbands that they were great. And the kids loved them. And we got pictures of two kids wearing their flame headbands all day long. And I loved it, because that was a craft that I came up with. And that's amazing. And yes, it actually it was teaching the kids about the Holy Spirit and all that type of stuff win. But that's what would be a program centric win because it's looking to the actual programs itself. Um, whereas um, what we're actually striving and hoping to lean towards coming out of this series is a homegrown faith, like uh, 
win would be those conversations that Carrie has, that a family was got baptized this week and came to our parenting group, um, that, that like ministry wins that would actually be about spiritual development, spiritual growth within a family, within a kid, within a family member, a parent, things like that would be the wins that we're looking to shift towards and see that connection and relationship is actually part of that as well. Like that, oh, we've actually been able to learn a little bit more about this family, about where their needs are and things like that. Yeah, to hear a story of, man, my my child has just been so inspired to lean into reading their Bible because they've seen so much change in the quality of our marriage relationship as we've aspired to lean into Jesus. You know, everything that we've been envisioning around focusing on your being and focusing on the exuding of the fruit of the spirit through you in a faith that's caught and taught to celebrate that is a totally different conversation and a totally different intention than man. It was just so awesome this Sunday because we got this new volunteer and they're so good in tech. And as a result, our AV didn't break down this week. And like, we're, we're just so man, we're, we're just celebrating that. Those, those are two totally different wins. And it's amazing how re-clarifying even what you celebrate, because people say what gets celebrated gets done, and what you aspire to celebrate actually changes and helps reinforce when you talk about the people need to hear it seven times. Sometimes the medium is the message that can reinforce one of those seven times. And the medium of what we celebrate can actually be, be one of those things as well. So that's uh, that, that's that's cool that we're we're kind of pursuing that. I guess as we wrap up here, Jen, I'm thinking about our members here at Southridge, who some of them are part of family ministry, some of them are recipients and partners of family ministry. We've also got leaders listening who are in the trenches of local church work themselves. Any sort of final thoughts or encouragements or challenges as we wrap up? When it comes to this idea of pursuing an aspirational vision, the challenge of, of trying to change a paradigm and invite people into a future that you're not necessarily fully delivering or experiencing yet. Any other encouragements along those mm-hmm. lines? I think that the first thing would be kind of when we were writing our last sermon we kind of felt this like tension and of like, are we actually just trying to tell people what we're already doing? Cause if we are, then, then I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can actually write that. And I sent a, an email that will probably come up in, in future things of like, I've, I literally said, I feel overwhelmed by this and I actually don't know what I'm doing. And I think that that actually showed a lot more clarity to me and to you and to those people in that conversation that it's actually okay that we're overwhelmed with that, that we're not actually like to start just envision the people of what we actually want to do because we want to, to be okay with saying we're not there yet. And we, but we want you to be part of that. And actually like, I felt like when I was doing my sermon, that's what I was trying to do. I was trying to call people to be a part and see first, like I said before, that our reality isn't, as 
isn't what we hoped. It, it it's actually not meeting the needs that we that we want it to. It might feel like it is sometimes when your kid is wearing the flame headband for the whole day. Like that seems like a win to you, but could we actually reframe our parents' mindsets of of the wins that they're celebrating? And I think that for leaders in any sort of capacity, if we were actually to just envision what it could be and allow ourselves to say we're not there yet, but we want you to be there with us. Would you come along on this journey with us to to get to where we want to be together? Because if you listen to our sermon series, which you should, um, the whole f- first part of it was we're in this together. We were designed to be together. God said in Genesis 1, the only thing that's not good is aloneness. Like being uh, not being by yourself or being alone is not good. And that's something that we are actually designed in. And I think that that's what we are calling our people to do is to be a community together. And if you're looking to envision people to actually call that community together to envision that and do it together. Amazing. Thanks so much for being here today, Jen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And uh, excited to see uh, kind of how you continue to champion uh, not only this new paradigm, but, but to champion these kinds of relationships and this home-based faith, particularly here in our St. Catharines location. We're excited for the, the months to come. So appreciate you being here. And for all of you who uh, continue to track with us, thanks for joining in. We'll see you in about seven days time as we continue finding our way together. Thank you, everybody.